You're listening to Dim Sum and Vin Sum, a podcast about food and culture by three Asian friends from three different continents. We have a very special guest on this episode, a good friend and classmate of ours, Ido Ohayun. Ido and his family have a background in the culinary world and even have their own restaurant in New York City. We talk about his experiences with Asian food in the Big Apple and his take on the restaurant industry, as well as his culinary experiences overseas. Ido, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm super excited. Pleasure. Uh, so, Ido, um, tell us a bit about yourself and the people listening at home. Yeah. Uh, well, I was born in Israel in uh, 1995, and uh, funny enough, um, crazy turn of events, I ended up in New York uh, when I was about three years old. My dad was a fisherman in Israel, and uh, his dad was actually a fisherman as well in our local kibbutz, just like a very small village up north. And uh, he got offered this management job at a restaurant in our kibbutz, and they decided that he'd be a good fit for it. He didn't know anything about the food industry or anything like that, um, but he said he'd give it a shot. So he did. And that was when I was about two years old. And then his aunt and uncle owned a very small Moroccan uh, cafe in New York City in East Village. Um, and they kind of called him up and they heard that he took on this new management position at a restaurant. They were like, you should come. You should work with us. They were getting old. They needed some help. And he said, you know, what am I going to do in New York? You know, I don't know. I, don't, I barely speak English. I have two, two kids. And uh, him and my mom kind of were like, this is a big opportunity for us. Um, so they picked us both up and we uh, moved us four. This was back in 1997. So I was three years old. And uh, yeah, that's how I ended up in New York. Yeah. That, uh, that, that story is like really, um, I really like you that because I think my parents did like a similar thing. So they kind of just uprooted their lives and were like, okay, let's just try and like another country out. <laughs> um, it's a very common like immigrant story. Yeah, my, I remember my um, my mom was like, I'll only go if like we come back after a year. You know, I don't want to be in New York. I don't want to be in America. Mm-hmm. Like I, all our whole family's here. All our friends are here. And my dad was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. We'll just go. We'll be there for a year or two and then we'll come back. And, you know, fast forward, I'm now 25 years old. We never <laughs> went back. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so were you uh were you pretty involved in like the the restaurant life from like an early age, or did they sort of keep that away from you? It's funny. Um, I pretty much I feel like I grew up in the restaurant. Our apartment, our first apartment was in the East Village. It was about three blocks away from the actual restaurant. So my dad pretty much lived at the restaurant and we would always just to spend time with him, we would just go to the restaurant. I would remember just mm-hmm. being behind the bar. My first job was as a kid was I would heat up these like pita bread, like in this toaster oven. That was like, <laughs> it was fucking awful. I remember burning my hands every day, but it was so fun. Cause I felt like such an adult. I was like behind a bar heating up bread for customers. And it was, it was such a great vibe, but I would definitely say we were involved throughout. Mm. Reminds me of um like, you know, like those Asian restaurants and you see like this the kid doing his homework, like on the tables. hundred percent, hundred percent. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember my family, like I said, they're all huge fishermen. And we continue that even here in the States. And we would always go fishing. And it wasn't like for the it wasn't it was for fun. But like, we brought all the fish to the restaurant too that we would catch and we would sell them. So like every fish you catch, it was like, get that thing on the damn boat, because that's going right to a customer's plate. And so I remember even at a point we would go tuna fishing. And I would bring in these dried like 
like fish tails, the big ass tail of the tuna fish. I would bring it into class for show and tell because I thought it was so sick. Like I would literally walk into a class with a big ass tuna fish tail that dried up, still had little bits of like dried meat on it. And all the kids are like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's disgusting. <laughs> and I was so proud of it. But yeah. So would you consider yourself a fish expert at this point? I would say so. I, one of my, uh, my, one of my, one of my few talents is that I could scale gut and clean any type of fish with like, with my eyes closed. I've done that throughout my whole life. Yeah. I've seen, um, I've seen YouTube videos. Have you seen that one YouTube video where it's like a chef debones and scales like every type of fish ever? It's crazy. It's, very, it's it's crazy. It's very impressive as well. It's an art. Yeah. I mean, the, there's so there's so much you could do wrong, which I think people don't really realize when you like when you deal with fish. Like there's so much you could do wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So Ivy tells us that you're uh, you're quite an adventurous eater. You um you you love the fish head. Is that true? I love the fish head. I mean, in Moroccan cuisine, when we like one of our, you know, go-to dishes is a tagine, which is essentially just like a, a slow cooked stew, but we make it, you know, we do it with, with lamb, we do it with chicken, but one of the, one of my favorites is a fish uh, tagine. So what the, what brings all the flavor in that is the fish bones and the fish head. So we always throw in a fish head in there. So if you go into like my dad's freezer at home, it's literally filled. It looks like a fish graveyard. It's just all fish heads, fish bones, like everything. And we just throw it all in the, in the pot, make the tagine. And I think that's something that our, our cultures have in common though. Cause I, Ivy and Kev have both been over to my house before and my freezer is just filled with frozen meat, like frozen, uh, like neck bones, chicken, anything you can think of. There's hardly any other frozen food in there. It's just frozen meat. Yeah. Well, I know like for Asian people, everything frozen means forever, that you can keep it forever. Forever. My, my, there's no such thing as an expiration date when it comes to food in my household. <laughs> that right. doesn't exist. When I tell my mom, like, I think this is expired, she's like, this is nonsense. Don't listen to that bullshit. <laughs> like, you can eat anything. <laughs> yeah, our pantries are the same. I'm pretty sure we have sauces that we got from 10 years ago, but we're still convinced that they're good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that happened to you, but like in my grandparents' house, they always have two um, refrigerators. Uh, yeah, fridge. Because one oh, is really the food that you're going to use like daily life. Another one is keep it forever. Mm. <laughs> We're not that fancy, but maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your experiences with Asian food, you know, just growing up in New York City and stuff. Because uh, I hear... It's got quite a quite an eclectic scene as far as like Chinese food goes. You know, in in Richmond where we are, we've kind of just got the the uh, the classic American Chinese takeouts, and maybe we've got like one full key restaurant where it's a tad bit more authentic. But I think in New York City, um, there's a lot more variety as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say you know jumping off what you just said about Richmond Asian cuisine, I I feel like I haven't really experienced it yet. I know everyone's like number one, from what I've heard, number one recommendation, I think it was a Peter, Peter, Peter Chang's, Peter Chang's. And like, to me, it's good. It's good. But it's like, for me, someone told me like, have like the, the soup dumpling there. And I was like, I don't think these are homemade. When I ate them, I was just like, I think these are frozen. Like these are store bought because they all looked identical in size and all that stuff. 
Um, but in New York City, I feel so blessed that there's such a variety of cuisine, especially Asian cuisine. Um, and for me, it was all broken down by like where you would go. Like in Manhattan, I feel like obviously there's Chinatown, um, which is you could definitely find your your you know hidden gems, like authentic places to eat. And the way you do that is just like literally whichever one has like roasted duck, like full duck in the window, you know, like that's a spot. Like if, if, if there's all these like things that, you know, like most Americans won't go near and it'll like, you know, maybe turn them off from something, then, you know, that's a spot you got to go into. <laughs> I yeah. love that you mentioned that because one thing that we talk about also is when you look at Yelp reviews, sometimes if, if the reviews say, oh, this place is very dirty, this place is unsanitary, for us, that's kind of how we know that it's good. That's how we know that it's authentic. Oh my God. I I will, let me start this off by saying I cannot fucking stand Yelp. <laughs> my, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes uh, is by Anthony Bourdain, who literally just calls elite Yelpers, he like compares them to Nazis. Cause it's like, <laughs> it's this idea that like, they don't know how sometimes their words literally destroy businesses like family businesses and you're so right i think marissa because like my favorite spots eating in new york when you look at their yelp reviews they're all like below three stars every single one of them and it's just like dirty um impolite service and all these things and just like when i go sometimes even i would joke around and when i see like a in new york city they put like the health code rating on the windows of places and if it says like a B or something, or sometimes not a C, C I wouldn't do, but if it says a B, <laughs> like I'm all about that. Like I'm not, that's not going to deter me from going in there. Talking about impolite, I think me and Marisa talking about that, like the auntie in the restaurant, they're always like very rushed for everything. And they were yelling at you. It's like, I feel like it's a culture thing because <laughs> Asian culture, it's like very fast. We need to get it down like right now. Like, what do you want? Just tell me. It's not like American will give you like a very good, well, we still give you a good service, but it's just the auntie, they will. percent. I feel like I've, I mean, I, I've gotten so used to that too. Um, especially there's this one restaurant in uh, Boston. I went to undergrad in Boston and there's this very famous Chinese restaurant in the downtown, in their Chinatown. It's, it's, um, it's not as big as New York's Chinatown. It's like, pretty much like a two block strip. Um, but there's a very, very good restaurant there called uh, Gourmet Dumpling House. And a bunch of celebrities go there. Like you can see like on the pictures, there's like all these like famous celebrities and they have like your your typical like Americanized, like Chinese, like they had like General Zhao and all that stuff. But they have these hidden gems that if like, they have like this like fucking book of a menu. And if you go in there, there's so many things that just like are so good. And if, and you're right, Ivy, it's like the pace there is ridiculous. They just want you in and out, in and out, like next, 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 next. But it's such a beautiful thing. Like, I love it. What was your favorite meal or, or dish that you got from there that you remember? Oh, they have this, I'm, I could look it up, but they have this really, really spicy uh, fish soup. It's like this fish oh. broth. I got to Let me see. Ah. Um, I don't want to butcher the name either. Um, Eel loves spicy food. Oh, it's a Sichuan. It's I think they just call it Sichuan fish, but it's it's unbelievable. It's so damn spicy. 
Like you look at it and you know, like if you eat that it's swimming in chili oil, oh, it's just filled with chilies and chili oil. And what, I mean, the, the, the reason why I ordered that when I got there, like I looked at the menu and again, it's a huge book. And I was like, I was kind of like overwhelmed. I didn't know what to get. And I just look around. I always look around. That's the first thing I do in a new place. And I just see this bowl at every table. And I'm just like, like all the locals are eating it. And I'm like, that's it. I want that. I just point at that. Give me that. <laughs> I think it's not from, I never had it in Taiwan. I had it. The first time I had it is in America, in Chicago. And it's very spicy. And you have to eat that with rice. Yeah, I'm putting a link in the chat so you guys can see the exact dish I'm talking about. Yeah, I only ever had it when we were visiting China. We had it in Beijing and we had really terrible stomach aches after that because half the bowl was just chili and chili oil. It's just (laughs) chili. and I know I'm I'm huge on spice. Like I told Ivy, I don't like when it's like when it's so spicy that you can't even think, (laughs) but like if it's just enough, it, it hits. It hits so right. Yeah, this is the yeah. It's so weird. Mm. Yeah, this is this is like swimming in chili. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's it's so spicy. <laughs> <laughs> so would you would you consider yourself like quite an adventurous eater? Uh, I would definitely say so. My um, my like upbringing, specifically, my dad was always like try everything no matter what yeah you know like you, what what's the worst that's gonna happen you're not gonna like it you know it's like you're not gonna die or anything <laughs> um so i've always always been about trying everything and and my my family specifically it's very like a way for us to be polite for example at a dinner table is to always try something and always clean a plate my thing i think i told this to ivy but like even if i don't like something I will finish the entire plate. <laughs> I saw that in person. You and Yotam, you guys finished everything. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I once went to uh, my family friends invited me with him to like eat at a restaurant. And the sh- I was so fucking hungry, but they brought me this dish and I just like cleaned it. And I, Moroccans, we always like to like clean the sauce with bread. That's like how we finish the meal. And I cleaned it with the bread. It was like an Italian restaurant. And they cleared my plate. And then all of a sudden, like the chef comes out of the kitchen. Like he runs out of the kitchen. He asks the waitress, he's like, he's like, where? And she points at me and he comes, he comes towards me. And he's like, this is the cleanest plate I've ever seen come back to my kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) It was was kind of embarrassing, but also it made me a little happy inside. I have, a, I have a question off of that, because one thing that we typically do, especially when you go to Chinese restaurants, especially when you're eating family style, it's a lot of food. So we always take leftovers back. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes when we've gone out to eat with people who aren't Asian, they don't do t- leftovers typically. So they just leave it on the plate. Is that something that you've also seen before? Like, have you done leftovers or it's just like, I have to eat everything. Don't take leftovers home. I have to clean my plate my i would say my family is an anomaly like we are fucking animals when it comes to going out to eat we order first of all we order everything on the menu because we just we have huge eyes like we just want to try everything like we see something we like we order it but other than that like we just clean everything too like we don't leave anything (laughs) 
like my um my dad always like my dad has the biggest eyes and then I have bigger eyes and then like we're all just like trying to order all these things and my mom doesn't eat that much but between my dad my brother and I like we always clean everything the waiter's always like I think you guys are good and we're like oh no we'll order one more thing (laughs) I'm trying to imagine what your bill your bills look like at the end of every meal oh man they're they're I mean that's the thing my family we don't we're not, we don't go for like the expensive restaurants. Like we're always looking for like hole in the walls, like family businesses, like nothing fancy. I love like most of our meals we eat out of like styrofoam containers and and, like plastic silverware, you know, like that's the kind of food we go for. That's awesome. Um, How do you, um, cause, cause you said yourself, you're quite like an adventurous eater. How do we convince everybody else to sort of be more adventurous with their eating? It's yeah, give, those, give those hole in the wall restaurants a chance. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because um, when we when we opened up the, the the pasta restaurant, we were like trying to. We're always trying. One of the things that comes, especially in America, I feel like when other when immigrants try to open up a, their own like cuisine or restaurant or whatever, you're trying to think like, how do I make this dish Americanized? Like, how do I get people to want to eat it? And to me, I feel like Americans have grown so much uh, when it comes to like their, you know, culinary knowledge. I think a lot of this is due to part like Netflix has blown up food. Mm-hmm. The Food Network has become such a huge thing. And I feel like people like kind of um, they don't give I feel like Americans enough respect when it comes to food anymore. Like I feel like my favorite thing in New York right now that opened up in the past 10 years when it comes to like fast casual food. It, have you guys heard of uh, uh, Sean uh, Famous Foods? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So, so okay, so uh, for those that don't know, um, this, uh, I think they're from, uh, so this Chinese family um, in Flushing, Queens had like a hole in the wall restaurant that the dad ran for, I think, I think 10 years. I think it was open, I think for 10 years. And then Anthony Bourdain came to eat there uh, with, with his show, I think No Reservations it was. And he loved the food. And uh, he met the son, who at the time was a student, I think, at Harvard. Um, this, what the son did was unbelievable. Until this day, he's like my biggest, like, he's like my idol. Not, not everything about him, but like what he did with their model. So what he did was like, you know what, like, this food is fucking delicious. Like, we don't have to like... Americanize it and clean it up. We don't have to take the bones out. We don't have to do this. All we have to do is take it and like put it in a nice clean, not not even clean, but like a nice setting where it's easier and everyone can get to it. You know, because if not everyone in New York gets to go all the way to Flushing Queens, like an hour and a half away with the train. So what he did is he opened up a fast casual model of his dad's restaurant. I think it's Sichuan uh, cuisine. Um, but that is like one of my favorite spots in New York. Cause they literally just kept the same exact recipes, no bullshit. They, they do the hand ripped noodles on the spot per order. And they just take all these stews and mix it in with the noodles right, right in front of you. It's fucking beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm hungry now. <laughs> Can we just go to New York now and get it? <laughs> I have a question actually, cause Ivy and I were talking about this the other day with another one of our friends 
where he had listened to a podcast called 99% Invisible. And I think they did a Chinatown episode about all the different Chinatowns in New York and essentially how each of them kind of catered to a different region of China. So for example, you may have Cantonese cuisine in one area and then uh, Fujianese, Taiwanese cuisine in another area. Have you been able to discover that back home? I will say, I don't think I'm well-versed enough uh, to know all those different cuisines in the different regions, uh, but I will definitely say that you could definitely tell that there's different vibes in different areas in New York. Like the, I feel like the Chinatown in Manhattan, obviously it's it's one of the bigger tourist attractions. So there's, there's that to play into. I think the more authentic and the more uh, diverse, I would say scene is probably in Queens. In general, if you're looking for good authentic food, Queens is the fucking spot when it comes when it comes to New York because it's like there's no bullshit. Like all like there's Indian cuisine, Jamaican, there's Chinese, there's Filipino, there's Thai. There's there's so much good shit there. But um, but yeah, actually one of my favorite dumplings ever was in Chinatown. That's what I kind of brought up to you guys earlier. Um, they shut down recently because of uh because of COVID, they just couldn't, they couldn't keep up with the overhead. And they've, they've been open, I think for, I want to say like 30 years, it's called Lan, Lan Um They had a spot in Chinatown that I would always go to. And their story was like, it was honestly really sad because they were obviously weren't big on like social media or anything, but during uh, COVID they posted that they're going to unfortunately shut their doors um because they couldn't keep up with uh, the overhead and obviously they couldn't open the restaurant and the outpour of like love for this place was insane like people were lining up to buy frozen dumplings from them for weeks and weeks and weeks until they finally closed uh but i think that just kind of goes to show that like obviously not the not all of america but like new york is open to so many different types of cuisine and they're like I feel like we've kind of moved past the point where like you have to like, you know, again, like I said, take out the bones of a dish or like remove the fish head or, you know, like debone a fish in front of you. Like, I feel like, you know, people are looking for like authentic now. And especially when it comes to like food. I think one time, well, one time we were eating sushi and then you have the knowledge because the sushi that they call it in America, it's the roll. But Ido told me that he knows that it's different because like in Taiwan and Japan, we eat sashimi on the top and then rice on the bottom. And then we call that sushi. So I was really surprised that he knows it because I did. I haven't met anyone knows this, like the authentic part. The the rolls are, was it maki? Is that what they call rolls, I think? I think maki and then nigiri is the one with the sashimi on the top. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that in general, like sushi. Yeah, no, it's, um, but again, when we were opening this restaurant, that was one of the things that you kind of mentioned, Kevin, we were like, how do we, like one of the questions uh, the chef was like, oh, they're not going to like that. You know, let's, let's not do that. That's not something that people want. And it's like, whoa, do you like that? Like, would you eat that at home? Would you serve that to your family? It's like, yeah, I would. So who gives a fuck? Don't think about what they want. That's like the biggest mistake I feel like people have, especially when opening restaurants. It's like you're thinking too much about pleasing people that don't know what they want yet, right? Like 
the good shit is is the shit that you haven't tried yet that's like how we look at things especially with like this restaurant stuff we're always trying to you know push things and try different things out mm. yeah I, I completely agree like especially with how I, th- I think you're right to be so like optimistic about how far not just America but the world has come in terms of being more open with food um Netflix definitely has been a big contributor to that um a thing I think about a lot is that like a lot of the authentic Chinese restaurants that we love um a lot of these places are opened by immigrants that come from um like China or whatever right and as they've settled down and they've had kids um like a big thing that like my parents and a lot of the parents of my friends who own restaurants have been telling their kids it's like work hard so you don't have to do what we do right so yeah. what i think of that is where are these restaurants going to be once these owners retire right are we going to be is there going to be just like a huge uh disappearance of these places god that is let me tell you that is one of my biggest fears <laughs> yeah. i think i have nightmares about the like that exact thing have you guys read um, Fresh Off the Boat? The uh, Eddie Huang book? Yeah, the yeah. Eddie Huang book, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that is also one of my favorite books. But that, because I related it to it so much, like what you're saying, like, I think his dad specifically, like, was like, you know, work hard so you don't have to do what I'm doing. Like, I think that's literally what he said. But it's like, man, especially, I don't know how it is in other places, but in New York City, for example, when I hear about stories like, for example, Sean Famous Foods, it's like, it gives me hope because like people realize that, you know, the restaurant industry, yeah, it's fucking hard, but there's there's money to be made in the restaurant industry too, you know, like people always got to eat, you know, so hopefully there's always going to be people like that that are like, they're valuing, you know, what their family did before them and they're just going to try to, you know, keep pushing and, and make something out of it. Yeah, that's why like I'm very like optimistic of like the Dave Changs and the the Eddie Huangs of the world, you know, like inspiring mm-hmm. uh, the, the kids of these people to like uh, maybe take a look at entering yeah. the business. Yeah, I think that that is also you know again the beauty of like Netflix and all that stuff is that they've like kind of romanticized what it means to be a chef, you know, and to work in a restaurant. It's like before it used to be like, oh, you work at a restaurant, you know, like that's kind of that's like that's yeah. kind of sucks but like now it's like damn rest uh, like chefs can be like badass like they can be they have like their own shows they have their own fucking 30 million followers on instagram you know like there's there's like something about it that has like really romanticized the whole industry that being said between us never go into the restaurant industry. <laughs> it's the worst fucking industry in this planet by far <laughs> yeah the only thing I will say about restaurants that is a beautiful thing is that all your hard work, you get that instant like gratification, like right there in front of you. Like you can work your ass off and you put a plate in front of someone and you see them like, mm, like not in their head. And just like, it just, it makes you feel good. They come to you and they'll be like, this is so fucking good. This is amazing. I love this. Thank you so much. It's like you did your work and then you get the gratification within like a minute. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a few industries in this world that, you know, you can get the same sort of feeling with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Personal question for me, how has um, your family's restaurant been impacted with COVID and all? 
Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Um, so a little bit of background on that. Um, so we, again, we moved to New York for my aunt and uncle's Moroccan restaurant. Um, my dad worked there for 22, 23 years. Uh, we took this very small cafe and we turned it into two location restaurant, um, one in the East Village and then one in Williamsburg as well. And then like most family businesses, uh, there was a family dispute. Um, so my dad decided to cut ties with that restaurant. And then that's when we opened up uh, the pasta restaurant, uh, which we opened up two years ago. Um, so actually at yeah, COVID, you know, like most people hit us fucking hard, unfortunately, um, like most restaurants. The one thing I will say is that before COVID, because we're a pasta restaurant, we really didn't want to focus on, um, on uh, like delivery. We didn't like pasta itself. You have to eat it like right on the spot. Like the uh, example, like a lot of like noodles as well. You know, the second you put it in a box, it like, it's not the same. They stick to each other. Like it, it overcooks, all those kind of things happen. Um, but nonetheless, we kind of had to do delivery. Um, so we did that and thankfully, um, Things went really well delivery wise. A lot of people in the neighborhood supported us. And um, yeah, and then actually today, today we reopened uh, some indoor dining, which was nice. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. Congrats. Thank you, thank you. All right, I'll have something when I ask Ido. So can you talk about um, your trip in Asia and what is your favorite food in your trip? Yeah, of course. Um, so, Right, uh, actually a year ago now, I took a little trip with my friends. Um, we went both to India, where, where he's from, and we also went to uh, Thailand. And this was my first time uh, traveling in Asia. And for, I was obviously so excited <laughs> food-wise, just like, especially in Thailand, I will say that the street markets, like all the food markets, was something that you know, I, I, I dreamed about them, but I did not expect it to be like that. It was unbelievable. Like you walk in and there's such a variety of food and smells and texture. Like you go from like, obviously like they have like their insects that you could eat and all those things and scorpions. And then you have your soups, your fried chicken, your roasted duck, all these things. My favorite thing, Ivy, was this bowl of... Um, it was in a night market in um, Bangkok. It was a bowl of lemongrass. Um, was it? It was a pig spine, like like this in like this broth, and it had like these like really green chilies in it as well. I could send you guys a picture later, but this thing they give you like these gloves, these plastic gloves to eat it because it's so fucking hot when it comes out, and you just kind of suck on the spine. It was unbelievable. It was so good. Like this lemongrass, like the aromatics were, were wild. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you picked two really great places for spice also. Thai oh, spicy, yeah. Indian spicy. Yeah. Oh my God. One of my, when we were in India, people, my family friends were saying, um, like, be careful what you eat, you know, especially like on, on street food and all that stuff. You can have one bad thing and, and your trip it will be spent in the bathroom. You know, yeah, you're not, you're not gonna come out of the bathroom. And I like kind of took that with a grain of salt. And at one point, like 
I was just walking around and you would see things and you just like, you know, fuck it. You only live once and it looks so good. <laughs> so like, especially in India, like things, the spice level is like on a whole nother level. <laughs> I realized that if someone in Thailand asks you if you want it spicy, <laughs> tell them, tell them no, <laughs> you can't handle it because the spice levels, there are a whole different scale. <laughs> I have the same experience. Because the Thai food in Taiwan is not that spicy, and when I arrived, when I went to Thailand, and then I was just like, "Oh yeah, just give me spicy food, like medium spice." It's just like I can't handle this at all. It's was, so different. Yeah, there was this little um, like, essentially, this was like the the backyard of this um, of this woman that lived right by our my hostel, and um, it was on this very small island called Koh Tao in Thailand. And it, she had like this sign on on the literally on the shack that it said Mama Piwan, and it was a, she made like her own restaurant essentially on the side of the road, and she made like homemade um, like fresh papaya salad. She would like take the papaya and just chop it up, and she would mash up in like a what are those things called like a mortar. She would <laughs> mash it up with um, some Thai chilies, and every time she would ask me like how, how spicy I wanted, <laughs> and the first time we joked about the rest of the trip, the first time I said. I want it spicy, like, because I fucking love spicy food. She put, I think, like, fucking 12 Thai peppers in there. <laughs> I couldn't breathe. I took a bite. And I, I, like, started to choke up. Um, but it was amazing. Yeah, was she was like, you want spicy? I'll give you spicy. Yeah, she was almost like, oh, fuck you. I'm going to test you out. <laughs> so besides Thailand and India, are there any other places that you want to visit when you can travel again? Yeah, I definitely want to go to Singapore. Mm. I really want to go to Singapore. I've, I've heard, chili crabbing you. Oh my god, I've heard so many good things about it, and I was so close to going, but it was just like it was too expensive at that point for me. People that, and obviously I want to go to Taiwan as well. And uh, Vietnam has been on my list for a long time. Um, hopefully, I get to go there as well. We should yeah. just an Asian trip. <laughs> we've joked about this a, an asian graduation trip for when we're all done with school i would be so down <laughs> Ido asked me if taiwanese will love their pasta i said 100 because i feel like in taiwan we accept so many different type of food and there's we even eat indian food as well like i'm so appreciate that my like because of my country. So I don't have any like specific good that I'm like fall in love with. Yeah. And how do you say that? Like very acceptable? Yeah. 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 It made me think of um, when, again, when I was in Bangkok, we went to, I like, I kept on asking like locals, like where, cause there's so many night markets there. There's so many markets period. And there's a lot of like tourists, you know, markets there as well so like it was kind of hard it was kind of hard to find like a really authentic one and i found like a workers market where like all the locals would go like after work and there was this one spot there that ivy just reminded me of but it, it had this um, it was like a local bakery but it was a bakery like i've never seen before they literally like it was a storefront in the market and their oven they're like was literally at the counter so like and they would bake these individual loaves of like bread 
And it was one of the most satisfying things I've ever put in my mouth. Like the thing, like it was just literally a roll of butter and sugar and like baked per order, like to order. Like you tell them which one you want, they bake it, they pull it out and they give it to you in this like plastic bag. I took a bite of that and I I literally, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was unbelievable. It was like that tradition. It was almost like, it reminded me a lot of like Japanese, like white bread that like Mm. like the milk bread. Yeah, like the milk bread. And it was just like, but it was like filled with like sugar and butter. And they had like all these different flavors with like pork and like all these things. It's so good. And probably pretty cheap too, considering the currency. Oh my God. That was like a whole nother thing. Like I <laughs> didn't even think, well, me personally, I never think about money when it comes to food. I can't put a price tag on food. I've just, I'm always go to town on food. But in, uh, in Thailand in general, yeah, everything was was very affordable oh can't wait till we get to travel again and you know i know i know to, to jump back what you said kevin before about like how do we how how would you get people to you know try different cuisines and and be comfortable with trying like you know things that are out of their out of their box um it kind of makes me think of like other things that i grew up eating as well and i'm sure like specifically it makes me think someone brought this up to me recently like if they've ever had like vegemite have you guys ever had vegemite oh yeah yeah i was australian oh oh yeah okay yeah kevin's australian yeah so you've definitely had it and do you like it no no that's the thing i didn't grow up eating it though okay exactly that's that was my point like i had an australian teacher once and he loved vegemite you'd eat a vegemite sandwich every day and it made me think like Personally, I think Vegemite tastes like shit, but there's certain foods that people grow up eating and they just get used to it, right? It's that, it's that thing. It's like, it's what's familiar to them. And I feel like there are certain foods that it doesn't really matter if like you are open to trying foods. It's just not going to suit your taste buds because you mm-hmm. didn't grow up eating it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think at that point, it's just, how do we get people to at least try? Try. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't force people to like, like stuff but yeah yeah at the very least try is i think yeah a a doable goal (laughs) yeah in my uh in my experience with like uh, i feel like it's mostly the thing that turns off a lot of i think americans when it comes to food is is really like the the head of whatever you're eating whenever they see a head it's like oh no 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 i'm not going anywhere near that if it has eyes if it has a mouth fuck that yeah which is a shame because that's where like a lot of the good stuff is you know yeah, like fish eyes oh my god the that's, fish where cheek. All, that's where all the flavor comes from mm. the jowl the jowl mm-hmm. oh my god yeah. even like when i'm eating like a fish right when i eat a when i eat a whole fish you know i don't leave anything on the plate like i eat the tail like especially if it's fried i eat the tail i eat the eye I eat the cheek i eat the head i suck on the bones like, and the, just like these certain things that just like, you know, if I did that next to, sometimes I would do that next to my friends if they came over for dinner and they would look at me like funny, but you know, like, that's just like, that's how I was taught to eat. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's more just like, also just like certain mannerisms at the dinner table. Like I am one to eat with my hands. Like I always have been, that's something that my family does a lot. And it's just like, that I feel like is not very familiar with a lot of people. Yeah, even just like um, 
like I've had <clears throat> I've had noodles around my roommates and I would like slurp and even that sometimes it's like I, I can feel the eyes on me when I eat oh yeah yeah there's so, <laughs> there's so many different things yeah I always like lick my fingers and stuff like that <laughs> it's just like all right um thank you Ido for joining us in this episode uh super interesting your upbringing and your experiences with the restaurant and culinary world uh is there anything you want to plug before we go go visit formapasta.com and go visit Forma Pasta factory on 14 bedford avenue in brooklyn new york <laughs> and uh, other than that thank you guys so much for having me um hopefully we, we can eat some good uh good asian food in richmond soon we hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for listening and join us next time for more dim sum and vent sum. Cheers.